Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hello and welcome to Sex, Psychics and Psychedelics, Discovering Inner Liberation. My name is Banana Jane Garnett. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a lover of freedom and a relentless explorer of the mind. Please come join me on my journey in hot pursuit of inner illumination and liberation. For more about me, you can find me at The Banana Jane on Instagram. Now let's dive in. My next guest is Carly Jo Carson. She's a journey designer and a medicine music maker. She curates medicine music from all over the world to generate these highly curated sound and breathwork experiences that are very intense meditations akin to an ayahuasca journey, but without the drugs. I don't know how she does it, but I know she's the real deal. We're about to find out what's going on here. Carly, I'm so excited to break it down with you because when I came to your sound journey, I was blown away. It really felt like a full-on psychedelic experience, but without any drugs, without any come down. Yes. <laughs> it was kind of miraculous. <laughs> so amazing. That's what I'm going for. I mean, thank you for that. And thank you for being here to, to sort of help us understand the, the magic behind the magic. Tell me, how did you do that? How did you create this experience? <laughs> Whoa, that feels like a big question. Um, how? So that particular track, I guess in all the tracks that I make for, for the breath work, really is a synthesis of all of my healing journey for, I guess, a lifetime of, of healing. <laughs> and um, I came... So the track meaning the, sorry, just to, to specify the, um, the piece of music that you kind of stitched together. Yeah. So what I do with my partner, Paul Butler, we, we call the project Infinite Crescendo, and we create 90-minute um, sound arcs, we call them. And they're meant to take you into a peak and then hopefully gracefully bring you out. So they're meant to simulate a plant medicine experience without any plants, with any substances. So um, he and I actually met though on the path of plant medicine. And that was many years ago. It was about 20 years ago when, when I connected with plant medicines. I was incredibly depressed. I was about 20 years old living in New York and I had grown up with a lot of addiction in my family and was just completely lost. I had no connection to spirit, no connection to myself. I was, I was a mess. And it was actually my drug dealer who <laughs> disappeared. And he was an amazing man. We had like an interesting sort of karmic connection. I don't know, but we definitely partied together a lot. And um, he was like a messed up father figure. And then he disappeared for about a year and I bumped into him on, on the street and he looked radiant. And I asked, what have you been doing? And he'd been living in Brazil, working with the Santo Daime, um, which is, you know, a, a Brazilian group that, that uses ayahuasca for sacrament. And I immediately wanted to know, I just was like, whatever this glow is, I want it. And what, how do I get it? And so I, I dove in really fast and, um, that was through the Santo Daime, but they don't really tell you in, in, how do I explain it? I, I, I had a bit of a culty experience there and I don't want it, to, it's a, it's a really powerful, beautiful religion and I have a lot of respect for it, but um, the inner workings of how it affected me, it felt a bit like a cult experience and it really opened up music for me though, because we would sing hymns and all in por Brazilian Portuguese, which is the most beautiful, the most beautiful music. Um, and I hadn't really had a religious experience in my childhood like that. I grew up Jewish, um, but I didn't really connect with the Jewish community. And it was probably just some of my, my own family dynamics, but having this, this church community, it felt like there was the mother, the, the madrinha and the padrino. It was like a mother and father figure and all these brothers and sisters. And um, we, would, we would drink ayahuasca, but they don't tell you it's ayahuasca. They tell you it's daime. So for, for about a year, I was drinking and singing, you know, a Jewish girl in New York City. <laughs> 
<laughs> singing to Jesus. And um, it was incredibly heart opening, but I really wanted to be out of the ceremony most of the time. I wanted to go out and commune with the moon and commune with God in that way in nature. Okay. So the, the cult-ish thing was not really serving as a um, replacement family for you? Yeah. That, yeah. There was, it was me working out my own, my own inner workings. But after about a year, I, it was pretty amazing. I was, I was in, a, in one of these circles and I was explaining what experience that I'd had to someone. And he said, oh, you're probably having a past life experience as though you're in, because the vision was that I was um, an older woman with long white braids and there were little children that were weaving these colorful tapestries up in the mountain and there were llamas everywhere. And he said to me, oh, you, that, that sounds like a, a past life experience or the medicine's calling you to Peru. That's where it's from also. And it was actually Daniel Pinchbeck. I don't know if you know him. He's written many books about psychedelics and, and he gave me his book I'd never heard of, of plant medicines in any way. You know, I really thought that this was something I could only get through the Santo Daime. And I immediately left for Peru and spent many months there. I mean, barefoot in the jungle, drinking medicine with every possible shaman I could when I was 20. And it was, it was a really wild, incredible experience. Something that I think if, if my daughter said to me, I'm, I'm going to Peru and you won't be able to hear from me for months right now, I think I'd probably be terrified <laughs> because it was so wild and yeah. it was, you know, so just far out there with no connection to the world. But I, I, I was able to do some really deep, deep work and, and connect with my heart for the first time and connect with the power of prayer, um, intentional prayer. And my teacher down there, he was an incredible musician, but what I loved about him, there's so many things I love about him, but one of the things was that in, in the traditional ceremonies, he would really invite everybody in to sing and to open up. And I'd never sang, I'd never played an instrument. And he said, no, I don't want you to come back to this center where it was out in the jungle up in the Amazon. We would take a boat for hours to get up there. And, you know, there's just tribes there and they don't even speak in Spanish. So I spoke Spanish, but, you know, they speak Quechua there. So um, he said, please don't come back unless you have an instrument. And in the middle of ceremony, he would call on people and, and have them just open up and open the channel. And he would talk about how, you know, the prayers come through you and you just have, you open to spirit that they're not, it's not like you're writing a song. Make sure you don't have anything to say when you open up. Just let Sounds spirit. more like possible in this respect. Yeah, it was, it was very powerful. And even in terms of learning an instrument, I never, I never studied music growing up. Um, never really played instruments. I, I dabbled with the bass here and there, but um, it was the first time I, I actually brought a banjo of all instruments. It was the loudest, twangiest instrument <laughs> that was reverberating through the jungle. And I, he, went, I wasn't <laughs> expecting you to say it. <laughs> I know. I know. He said, just, you know, see what Banjo what in the jungle. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went to this great musician, music store called McCabe's um, in LA. I don't know if you know it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Um, and for whatever reason, the banjo spoke to me. And so I brought that the next time I went down to Peru. And um, yeah, and the first time I played it, he said, don't try, you know, I didn't even know how to play it, but he just said, listen to the instrument and let it teach you. And so that really set me on a whole journey of finding myself through music, opening my voice. And that was really a, a metaphor for just finding my voice in life. And I worked with plant medicines for many years and brought many people down to the jungle to work with my incredible teachers. And at a certain point, I, I felt, well, first of all, I had kids. I have um, two daughters and two stepkids. So we have four kids now. And I got to the point where I just couldn't really juggle at all. Like going, I couldn't really go down to the jungle much more with my, my young baby and my first child. And I was going through a divorce and it was, that was really painful. And then I was in a new relationship and blending a family and I just, things started getting a little bit messy. And as the intimacy, you know, got deeper with my new partner and all of that, with the, the complexity of blending a family, he, my partner got, so my husband now got sober from alcohol, which was huge for me because addiction has been such a huge thing in my life and the patterns and, you know, from my childhood with my family of origin. And so when he got sober, I sort of went on, I watched him on his journey of sobriety and then you know, at one point I, I tried to leave him and he kind of, he was, you know, he was devastated, but he also said, 
I'm clearly like the one for you. And if you can't see that, you know, I wish you would to just take a break from the plants and just, you know, see this because this is like, I'm so here for you. And this is, I, I think this is what you want. And I'm so glad he said that because I really, I just was able to, to take a break for a moment. And, um, it was, I had like an out-of-body experience that was watching as I left him, like, don't do it. He's right. You know, why did you think that you were leaving him? Why? Oh God, that's such a good question. I, I think just the, the fear of real intimacy and yeah, this fear of bringing in stepchildren into my life and not really fully being ready. There were some things in my life that I thought I'd really worked through. You know, having done a lot of plant medicines, I felt really connected. I felt very much in my in my dharma of service with people. And and he was like, well, you got you, you're, in, you're in service to so many people around you. And how are you not able to receive this love that's here and this like beautiful family that we've created? And and I just knew he was right. I knew that there was a deeper layer I had to work through. And I took a break from the plants. And that's when just the emotions came pouring through again. And I wondered what that was about. Like, was I bypassing the, the emotions by being in that plant and then the plant space for so many years? I mean, for 15 years, very deep. And I realized that I am m- much more comfortable in that space, you know, in in the cosmic journey realm, space. in journey yeah. space. Yeah. I'm really yeah. comfortable there. And I'm, I'm really good <laughs> at guiding in that space in the sense like that. I, yeah. I just, I love it. I, I go into just the freest, most loving space. I know a lot of people really struggle and, you know, the death rebirth, but I just go into the pure oneness every time right away. And, and I realize that that's something that I really struggle with here, you know, grounded in this body on this, on this plane. You mean the sense of separation and of normal life? Yeah. Quote, unquote. Exactly. <laughs> reality. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. And, and just the, the painful injustice of the world in so many ways, the environmental, just horrific things that are happening are I'm so sensitive. And I would find that I would be so connected to the perfection of everything. And then I would come back and be hit with everything is falling apart. And mm-hmm. And so I, you know, without the plants, it was just, it was a lot to to feel everything again. And and a friend of mine, her name is Sybil Buck. She's an incredible, incredible yoga teacher. And she said to me, you've, you've got to come with me to this Stan Groff holotropic breathwork workshop because she knows that I love to journey. And so we went and we did a, a training with the Groff Institute and I, it just blew my mind. It was like right into the same space. And so that's, yeah, that's how I ended up. I know that was a long-winded story. But that's how I ended up doing. No, it's a it's a beautiful story, and it is a it is a good answer. <laughs> you did answer my question. I have a a couple, a few questions about different aspects of this. But I suppose one is, you know, you had this incredible drive, you know, to to go so far, so fast with this, and in the very early stages of part two psychedelia, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I was pretty early, but it sounds like you said you started in when? What year? Um. Well, I'm 41 now and I was 21. So 20 years ago. Was 20 21. years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So what was driving you so hard at 21? What were you actually looking for, thought you might get in the jungle? I just, I needed relief. I wasn't sure what I was looking for. I think there was, there's been an internal sense of seeking and seeking wholeness since I was a child. I've always had a real drive. And, you know, even finding letters from when I was seven years old when I first learned, you know, how to write, writing my mom, these long letters about why she needs to go to rehab. And, you know, my adults didn't understand where this was coming from or how did I know about an intervention? I was always gathering bits and trying so hard to help my mother. I guess it's a, this is a gratitude mom for a moment for my mom who I'm not even speaking to now. It's, it's sad, you know, but, but yeah, she made me so strong and and just, yeah, and I, I had a, I just had a drive to always find parental figures or teachers at a really young age. I was always seeking really healthy people. And I'm also just one of those people that's always putting one foot in front of the other and not really having a plan. And mm. yeah, I guess that gets, <laughs> that gets me into interesting situations fast. Yeah, I know about that sort of 
jumping, jumping before the net appears, you know, jumping, <laughs> hoping the net will appear. And it always does one way or another, doesn't it? I think yes, it does. I can see that in your spirit. <laughs> oh, thank you. I mean, I guess I did that as a compliment. But, um, <laughs> um, so, okay, I'm fascinated by this. I mean, this it's an amazing intersection, music and, and spirituality. I mean, I suppose for me, music is, is, I mean, good music or music I find good is spiritual high ground anyway. But, but what about learning music through spirit? So when you say your teacher said, let the, let the instrument teach you or let spirit teach you, is that literal? Like no one taught you any chords or anything like that. You just sort of felt your way in. Yeah. And I'm, I'm still really messy around. I, I barely know my chords. Um, I don't think I'm an incredible instrumentalist in any way. I would love to find the time to really dive in and learn theory. And I know that will open up my music for me. But my partner, Paul Butler, is a, he's an incredible uh, music producer and musician. And so I guess this gets into where the arcs come from. So when I, when I went to the Stan Groff workshop, I immediately had a vision of, I want to make the music for this journey. What I'm missing there were some beautiful music from all over the world, but I was really missing the tradition that I knew from my teachers um, in Peru. Wait, did the did the Stan Graf, uh, breathwork have music to it yes. or not? Yes. So Stan Graf invented holotropic breathwork and really it's just in, intense yeah. breathing with eye masks with really evocative, loud music. So it's usually three hours of really loud music. And I could hear the arc of what I wanted to create. And so right after that workshop, I came home and just kind of tinkered around with my little synthesizer. I barely knew what I was doing. And I made some prayers and layered them. And I sent them to Paul, who's in, who is now my partner. Uh, but I had met him in 2009 down in the jungle working with our teacher. And he knew my, my spirit. He, he'd heard me play music, sing music in ceremonial spaces. So he really knew my intention. Paul, Paul jumped right in because he was really inspired to bring his religious practice into the work that he does. You know, he's used to doing, producing soul music and pop music, rock music. And so it was a really fun challenge. And that was a few years ago, we started making breathwork music and, and now that's what we're doing. And we're about to launch a whole platform where we, we can offer this online and beyond the, the workshops that I lead, which you've come to and the retreats that I lead. We started a new project of micro journeys, we're calling them, which is there are five to 30 minute intentional meditations that we make with, all, we, they're collaborations with all different types of creatives, healers and poets and actors, fashion designers. I mean, really all types of people that we've been interviewing and discussing their healing journey in life. And from those conversations, we're extracting whatever the tools are that they've learned that are unique to their journey and creating a sound meditation around that. So creating like a library of, of resources for people. So that's coming out next month. Beautiful. Wisdom sound journeys. That sounds so nice. Micro journeys. I can't wait to, to hear. Please send us a link or some way that we can, we can find those. Sounds amazing. Okay, so I'd love to break down what medicine music actually is. Now, my understanding is that Medicine music is sort of ceremonial music designed to open your heart. And I would love to hear your more refined understanding of what it is. And also, if possible, for you to play us a clip after that. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, I absolutely agree with that definition. Medicine music is meant to open up the heart, but it's also meant to do really anything. I mean, there are prayers from all over the world, from indigenous cultures that have very specific intentions. And so some of them are heart-opening prayers. For example, there's one by Rosa Giove from Peru. She was a good friend of my teachers and she has, and she passed away recently, but she has an ayahuasca center in Peru. And she has a song called Abrete Corazon, which you might remember because I often sing it. It's in one of my arcs. And it actually has ended up in the UN. Someone sang it at the UN. It's such a powerful heart-opening prayer. And these prayers from cultures, I mean, it's interesting because there are so many powerful heart songs and you know it when you, when you hear one, it, you feel it. You just feel it immediately. Certain songs just penetrate and open your heart. And um, I really feel this about many indigenous prayers. And so when I first 
connected with my Peruvian teachers and learned about the Icaros, which are the prayers from Peru, they are very specific. They call on different energies of plants from the jungle that have healing properties and animal spirits and different deities to come in and, and help guide the journey. And, and one thing that my teacher said to me was, I'm not singing these, these prayers or these songs to you. I'm actually singing to the plants and the plants within you to do their work and to go in and either open the heart or you know, dive deeper and get, get into like the shadow or whatever it is. Each one has its own energy. What does that mean, the plants within you? Meaning that everyone in the ceremony has imbibed the plant, uh, right? And like so the ayahuasca speaking, that you've drunk. Yeah, exactly. I see, exactly. I see. So he's singing to the vine, uh-huh. which is really beautiful to think of it that way. You know, he has a relationship with the plants. And so, yeah, when, when Paul and I set out to make the breathwork music, we, we started with this idea of bringing in the prayers from our teachers that they have given us their blessings, that they really want these prayers to be shared. And they, they brought them to many different cultures and they really feel that this is medicine, but also these are prayers that are, are meant for the healing of, of all. And so we wanted to bring those in. But the more we got in, we realized that we, we were weaving in our own mantras and essentially creating music that, that does something. So we start out with an intention for the arc. So what is it? It's maybe it's relaxation in the beginning, letting go of unwanted negative patterns. Um, Wait, one second. So when you say the intention of the music, this is the intention of you as the designer? As a designer, yeah. So, so yeah, we do consider ourselves journey designers. A friend of ours once came to a ceremony and was like, oh, I, you guys are journey designers. And so that's really what I, when people ask what I do, that's what I love to do most is design a journey. So in, in designing the arc, we create really heavily layered mantra-based music that puts you into a trance and there are some energies and subliminal sort of messaging coming through. And each, each part of the arc has a different intention. So one of the arcs is a bit more about letting go of, of things that no longer serve you. And one of them is about rebirth. And, and that particular rebirthing track actually has audio from one of my home births um, because we were looking for, we were looking for audio all over the internet, just downloading sounds of people giving birth and it just wasn't working. And then one night my husband said to me, you know what? I think we have your birth. And we forgot that we'd given my daughter our phone because she was feeling uncomfortable and we just wanted to give her something to do. As babies. <laughs> so we said, here, take a video of it. So she's shooting a video. And at some point we hear her say, uh, this is too much. And she just puts the phone down and it records the ceiling and she goes in the other room as the baby comes out. But there's my whole labor that we had the audio. So we really, we brought that in and no one really knows that. But so many people, when they hear that particular arc, they say, I felt like I was giving birth. I, re- I went into my, the, my mother's womb. I re- remember my own birth, which is actually very common in holotropic breathwork. If you read any of Stan Groff's books, he talks a lot about how so many people are taken back to that memory. But this particular song that we designed, that was the intention to really take them into what does that feel like to be reborn? And obviously it's a metaphor for this rebirth of whatever you're coming into, but it, it actually has my birth track. So it, it's amazing to see people revisit whatever birth trauma that they had, whether it was you know coming out of their mother or birthing a child, they get taken back. They can feel that energy and they get taken back and they're able to, to heal it. Wow, that's so beautiful. I mean, it's a beautiful example of, of the kind of connective and collective kind of power of sound. I mean, what, what unites us more than sound? Yeah. Amazing. And to really harness that power in a, um, I suppose, in a way that's really focused on, on healing. I mean, I, I would go so far as to say any music you like is healing, <laughs> but, but you know, this is a yeah. level, I suppose. Absolutely. No, it absolutely is. And and as we get deeper into creating the arcs, it's been so much fun to to create intentional mantras in English. And when I went to the, the Groff training, they had very specific rules around their music module. And I didn't end up getting certified with them because I didn't really want to have rules. I don't know. <laughs> I felt like I, I wanted to experiment and, and play a little bit. And their particular music module says that 
that the music can't be in a language that that you would understand. They really want to take you into your subconscious. They don't want you to have direct messaging. And we really play with that too, because many of the indigenous prayers, which are so potent that from all over the world, they, you know, a lot of people are, are uncomfortable with, I'm, I'm, oh, I'm a white girl, you know, from, from the valley. <laughs> and I am sharing these prayers from wisdom keepers that I, that I have permission from. But there have been many times where people have asked me, like, what gives you the right? And there's been some flare up around that, which I totally understand. And I, I always want to give the context. But the deeper we go in, we realize that it, it has been really powerful to play with with English and how does that affect people and really intentional straight straight to the heart messaging that people can understand. Like what? Can you give me an, an English mantra? Yeah, like, um, let, let's see. Um, Maybe we can take a moment and play a little medicine music. Yeah, that's perfect. Let's, let's actually, we can, uh, here's a moment from, from one of our arcs that we're doing that. We're taking you right in. You can listen to that here. So what's the difference between, a, I mean, is a mantra more powerful if you understand what it means? Not necessarily. I mean, that's that's what I love about these indigenous prayers from all over the world, that they feel, to me, they feel so universal. And I don't, I don't feel that I need to even know what they mean. They just open my heart when I hear them. And um, yeah, that's just something that, that Paul and I were just experimenting with. You know, at different at different points in in designing this journey, what, how how people react to the different messaging, and you've worked with different tribes on their music and sharing their music. What kind of feedback have you been getting in terms of carrying these songs forwards into the valley, yeah. <laughs> Los Angeles? You know, what's that kind of integration like? I've spoken with all of my teachers who feel very strongly that these prayers are meant to be shared. And so I feel very comfortable sharing their specific prayers. Uh, other prayers that I love to sing, I feel very connected to the prayers of Maladoma Somme, who's from Burkina Faso. And he was one of the youngest initiated elders from the, the Dagara tribe. He passed away probably about two years ago now. He worked very closely with Michael Mead and they would they would run these men's retreats all over the world. And his mission and I believe his name, Eat Maladomasome, even means something like the bridge in between cultures because his mission really was to share the rituals from his culture to the Western world that is suffering because we really lack ritual. And so he shared those prayers and I'd been to many workshops and learned these prayers. They're so heart opening. And so those are some, some prayers that I love to share because that really was his mission. And I've reached out to... Um, that organization that now that helps his family to give back uh, to them and also to the organizations that my teachers have set up to, to bring money back to their tribes and to the reforestation of the Amazon. 
there's a there's a big project going on right now that they're working on. So we give money to that organization. You know, we try to always have reciprocity where we can with whatever we're using and also the blessings from them because not everybody does feel comfortable with this and we wouldn't just grab grab a prayer and and use grab it without. a prayer and run. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. That the new the new method of healing just, you know, turns into acquisition like like everything else. I mean, I want to broaden out actually because you know, I'm struck by the fact that you will have been on the very full-on healing journey so much longer than my average listener who may just be beginning a healing journey. And, you know, I'd love you to actually, you know, speak to the speak to the beginner. I mean, should we be taking psychedelics? If so, how? What is important in this? What is important in the healing journey, you know? It's a great question right now. Um, there's, there are psychedelics everywhere in our culture. I absolutely love psychedelics and I have so much reverence for, for the plants. I mean, all of the psychedelics, but I personally really connect with, with the plant energy. If you're beginning to explore, I think the most important thing is to find someone that you feel very comfortable with, you know, and really, really make sure that you know where they're coming from, what their intention is, people that have worked with them, because there is some some shady behavior, and I've I've heard many stories. Um, yeah, but you want to make sure you have a really a seasoned guide, because it is really deep work. Yeah, and and another thing I would say is in moderation, you know. But then again, who am I to say? Because I had to dive so deep on my own journey, and that's what essentially brought me here. So, well, that's I don't right. Really... I mean, where do you find interesting stories without a bit of chaos, or you know, where do you find an omelet without a broken egg? Um, so yes, it, of course, it's it's hard for us to just lay out cards for people younger than us and that you know don't involve any calamity. Um, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be impossible, but it also seems valuable to try and kind of pass down wisdom, in my opinion, as well. And I'm glad that there are different ways to get into the psychedelic experience, like your sort of breathwork music combination, because it's a way potentially a way in for someone into the psychedelic experience without, you know, somebody who's afraid of ingesting and what it would do to their body. You know, there are ways, there are other ways into this expansive way of thinking and this kind of heart visioning and your way is one of them. And I think for me, I love psychedelics, but what I really love, and I don't know if you can separate these things, but I feel like this is at the core of our conversation. What I really love is the thinking. What I really yeah. love is the, the, you know, how the, the sort of heart mind takes over from the kind of frontal cortex default everyday mind. And that is exciting to me. And I feel like I would love to find, you know, more and more ways to weave that kind of consciousness into quote unquote ordinary life without having to take psychedelics. Yes, exactly. And I guess that is why I do love doing this breath work because it's, it is a tool for people, especially in sobriety. I have so many people that come from AA that want so badly to try psychedelics, but they don't want to mess up their sobriety. That's so important for them. And they have this experience and they're so grateful that they can go into that space or people that often, I, I really like to be honest with my story, which I just shared here, which is that, yeah, things did get a little messy. And that doesn't mean that I don't regret any of what I did and how much medicine. I mean, there were days and days and days of straight medicine in the jungle so many times, you know, months even. And for whatever reason, I needed to go that deep. And But when I share my story, I often hear after from people, wow, thank you, because that's sort of where I'm at right now. And I'm, it, I was able to have a reflection and a mirror held up when I heard your story that I need to just take a moment to integrate, you know, and that doesn't mean that we'll be away from, from the psychedelics forever. But integration, it really is important. Yes. And what you were speaking to earlier, which is this kind of spiritual bypassing, I suppose, you know, just preferring to be in this magical fluid space of, of yeah. medicine work and not be in the kind of painful metrics of, of reality. And, and I loved your story about the relationship. And I think that's such a beautiful example of where the rubber hits the road because, you know, when we're in bliss and oneness and we're downloading 
entire intact, highly creative visions. You know, you just feel like a kind of perfect being. And then back on planet Earth, you've got, you know, a, a human who's trying to love you, who you're trying to love, and it can be a complete fucking shit show, no matter how much work you've done. And so I think there's nothing more complicated than just the normal cause of trying to be a happy human. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's no substitute for that. There's nothing that's going to fix that. Yeah. And, and your question about what to say to people that are coming in for the first time, I do believe that the plants are an incredible tool to get you to that space of being in the heart mind, which I didn't I don't even know that I was able to do before plants. They really cracked they they cracked me open. But now, you know, I, I've also had many times in in uh, journey space where I think to myself, oh, I gotta get back down there because I only have a certain amount of time in this incarnation in life. And like this cosmic thing, like that's a this is eternity. Like we're gonna be back here. And, you know, to and then when you tune into that, there's just beautiful resources everywhere. I mean, just the other night I was reading, uh, Mark, do you know Mark Nepo? No. I wonder if I'm saying that right. He's an incredible, incredible author. He just tells these short stories and then gives these little breathwork prompts for you to read. And just, you know, finding, I, I feel like I'm always just searching for what is it that's going to take me into my heart? You know, whether it's what book is it? What music is it? You know, how do I engage with what people do I want to be in conversation with to really be in that space? Because I, I don't really want to be anywhere else anymore. So, well, listen, I'm right with you on that. I couldn't agree more. I feel like the heart is the path. And I have my answer to why that is the case. I'm curious to hear, why do you want to be in the heart? Oh, my God. Wow. A song just came to me. Um, okay. So, well, when we I was... Well, no, I, this I'll sing really quickly. So my daughter, when I was going through a divorce, my daughter was swimming at a friend's house and I was just really stuck in my head of the fear of, oh, am I separating? What am I doing my daughter? This is, it was just a really dark time for me. And she was floating in, in an, an, a heart-shaped inner tube and she started singing. It was the first song she ever sang. I think she was two and a half or three. And she sang, I want to live in the heart. Don't wanna fall out of the heart. Love floats away when you're not in the heart. Love floats away if you don't ask it to stay. And it just, I mean, I have goosebumps thinking about this song because it just came out of her. It was like one of those channeling moments. And, and it like that says it to me. It's like, what? Love floats away, you know? Everything around you, if you're not vibrating that heart energy, then that's not what's coming back to you. It's like like attracts like. And the deeper you are living in the heart space and, and breathing that energy, people feel it around you, then it attracts so much love in your life. Yeah, oh, that's a beautiful story. It's so lovely. I think, it, I mean, it's an odd thing to say maybe, but I do feel like to me, the world feels more real when I'm in my heart. I feel more real when I'm in my heart. Yes. I, I feel like when I'm in my head, there's just like, there's, well, it gets very mazy. There are all these games and, you know, the games that, oh, what is it? The Dr. Seuss quote, the games you can't win because you play against you or something like that. You know, that there are these games that you play against yourself kind of unconsciously, semi-consciously when you're not in your heart. But when you're in your heart, I feel like it's, there's a, well, there's just a purity. You're not playing, I mean, you might be in pain, but you're not going to be in conflict with yourself. Yes. If you can meet yes. yourself there. Um, it's, it's, it's a more, it's a more fierce place to live in, in a way, a truly fierce place. Yeah. And like the maze versus what feels real, it just makes me think of how deeply connected I am to all and the earth and nature when I'm in my heart, I can just feel life everywhere. You can, you see the hummingbirds, you feel it, you know, whereas opposed to when I'm in my head, I miss all those signs and I'm stuck on the weird maze of this like simulation that we're living in, you know, just getting stressed out by what we've created, this mess that we've created and focusing on that when it's like, well, wait a minute, what about this over here? Yeah. And it's interesting that we're still I mean, I think, you know, shamanic culture is working its way in. I mean, 
I don't know to what extent effectively, but for me, I started to wake up. My heart started to wake up sort of after Dark Night of the Soul when I went to um, Brazil to visit a friend and I hadn't taken any plant medicine. And I met these shamans there and I was in yeah, total mass and, you know, very sort of LA, very sort of head fucky also, you know, around, you know, considering divorce, two little kids in the jungle, you know, feeling very at odds with myself. And then, then meeting these shamans who just triggered me so much. They pissed me off so much because they were so like in alignment and proud and glowing and healthy and, you know, everything that came out of them was just pure beauty. And, and I was like, what, uh, what, how did they get to be like that? And what the, because I, I wanted to, I was jealous. I wanted to minimize them. And, you know, I kept trying to put them into some sort of new age category and trying to like eye roll at words like prana that they were using, which were kind of annoying. But at the same time, <laughs> they were fucking glowing with health, vitality, love. And they were talking about how they'd dreamed each other into being. I mean, this was a couple that had found each other through the heart, through the medicine, and they were guiding these journeys uh, together. And he was going off on jungle walks, talking to plants. And I mean, it was very romantic to me. And it felt so remote from my experience. I wasn't even taking ayahuasca at this point. They wouldn't even give me any, but I was getting fed medicine thoughts. And I was seeing how far out of my heart I was. And that was, I got diagnosed by them in the jungle. It was like, you are not in your heart. You're in your head. And I was like, how the fuck can I get there? I remember thinking, it was almost like I was like, where is my heart? It was like a remote thing. And I was like, is there anything else in my heart. And I, then I sort of started asking these questions. And as I started asking my heart questions, it started to speak to me just a little bit at a time. And then, you know, one thing led to another. <laughs> it, was, it was a slow start and it was a rough start. And there's something very rough and sad about realizing that you're not in your heart. Yeah. Yeah. But even that cynicism of the word prana and how like, you know, oh, it still is a little, you know, I have yeah. this cynicism that's very much alive in me still. And yet, yeah, I do. And it's, you know, so much of it is like humor, but I have to check myself regularly because I am such a judgmental bitch, you know, at my core. I think it's good. I think the judgmental bitch is good because it's especially when we're living out here working with spirituality could just I mean, it is, it is, I don't think it is though, because I, I mean, I, I, there's a, there's a lighthearted humorous part of the cynicism, but the judgment is all, when it creeps in, I'm always like, why am I triggered? Like you said, like you just shared about, I mean, judgment is huge. It's huge. It always comes from somewhere. When I go back to England and there are different, every time somebody opens their mouth, talk about the power of sound. Yeah. There can be a visceral response because of this such sort of intense social stratification via different accents. And then you can do all of this work, right? And then you can go back and you could just be triggered, like a visceral reaction in your body. And you can be like, oh, there's too posh or there too blah, whatever it is. And it's really something to work with. But I think that, you know, everything has its sort of near enemy, its shadow side, its light side. So I think, you know, Judgment is one of my big shadows for sure. I mean, I'm really naturally judgmental and, and it can be a real pain in the ass and I hold my sword of truth and I know. And, I know. and uh, so it's something I have to work on. But there is something about it that is good too, which is or the thing that can, you can kind of draw out of that shadow, which is discernment. Mm -hmm. So if you can be a discerning bitch more than a judgmental bitch, okay. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah I do know what you mean. And I'm also just so softened and humbled every time I take the time to look at my judgments, but also when I get into these sort of healing group states, you know, it's like we show up at a retreat and everyone in the room, you're looking around like, oh, you know, everyone has their judgments. And then by the end, everybody loves oh, each other. I know. And it's it's why means, I love yeah. holding space in that way. And I I just love holding retreats for that because it's even my work of like, oh, this person, this they're from here. You know, all these weird labels that we put on people. And oh, so yeah, exactly. I mean, I've done a million retreats where you just start with like, you're like, I cannot 
tolerate being around that person. And, you know, you always end up, well, this is how it goes with me. They always end up being my best friend. Of course. <laughs> like, of know, course. Of course, right. You're like, they're so amazing. But it is, it, I do think, yeah, turning towards in that moment. I mean, I had it recently at the, the psychedelics conference. I was, I was in a long line and I was standing next to somebody who just had such an intense look to them that I just didn't really want to deal. And I was looking around for someone else to talk to. But I was like, you know, I was in that conversation with myself. I was like, you know what you need to do, you know, do it. And so, of course, yeah, I turned to this person, I introduced myself and, you know, cut to us becoming, you know, <laughs> great friends, you know, just really opening up to each other and learning all sorts of great stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I love that. I love that overcoming of, I mean, as a, you know, real hippie at heart, really just want, just want us all to get along deep down and, and love each other. So. Yeah, I think that's amazing. That's an amazing function of retreats. I'd love to come to one of your retreats. Yeah, I'd love to have you. Are they consistent? Where do you go? What do you do? Yeah, um, I try to do a few a year. And they've been adult-only retreats. But this past summer, I I did a family-friendly retreat up in Orcas Island. And it wasn't just for parents, but um, it it was amazing to weave my daughters into the experience and they can't wait for the next. So we're doing a family friendly that retreat in Oaxaca, Mexico with a really incredible couple, wisdom keepers, and they make these ceremonial feasts over the open fire and do temescals, sweat lodges. And so we'll be weaving all of that in with the breath work and more the heart song practices that that I do. So any age can join? Any age can join. And um, yeah, there's, there's camping, there's a hacienda for people that want rooms. That'll be one. Um, I have one coming up. I don't have the dates yet, but in Mendocino, that will likely be adults only. We've done them in Mallorca. We've done them all over um, Santa Cruz. So yeah, it's 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 such a joy to get to see some of the world and be working. And and actually, the pandemic was such a gift in a way because I never thought I would do breathwork online. It just felt crazy to do to even attempt that. And I had to because of the pandemic, or not had to, but I feel like, oh, everyone else is doing an online offering. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see how this goes. And it opened up a whole world so that when I did the Mallorca retreat, there were 40 people from all over the world. They were from Israel, Pakistan. I mean, we had England. We had so many countries represented there and it made for such a more interesting experience. So yeah, I, I love the retreat space. And are you doing online breathwork sessions as well at the moment? Is that something that... You- I am as, as part of this infinite crescendo portal that we're about to launch, um, there will be different offerings and one of them will be an online community, which will have once a month a live class. And that'll be sometimes a breath work, sometimes a singing practice or making mantras together. There's all sorts of creative, exciting things that I'm I'm not really sure where it's going to go. Fantastic. Fantastic. So is there anything else you'd like to tell us about medicine music? that we haven't covered. Yeah, I mean, every, again, medicine, music is medicine, any type. And the breath work that, that we're guiding has, a, has an intensity to the, to the music. There's a driving beat. It's like a heartbeat that really does kind of guide you and it keeps, it keeps a, a pace for you to breathe to. And I've also done some of the most powerful breath work experiences with very ambient music. You know, you can, it's just a different energy and you can tune in with breath. Breath is life force, you know, and when you really just intentionally start to oxygenate in any way, um, I've had just as powerful experiences doing very gentle breath work. So I like, I like why, I mean, I like what you're saying and, and it makes me feel empowered to sort of try this at home as well to, you know, be able to kind of maybe just put on some some slower music and, you know, lie on the yoga mat and um, really tune into my breath as a different kind of a meditation. Yeah. And that's another thing that I often share in the workshops that this is free. Breath is free and we all can do this at any time. And if the music doesn't speak to you, then find music that does and maybe find music from your own culture, your own lineage, you know, um, your own religion, even if you don't connect with it, it might bring up some really powerful memories from childhood. Right, and it doesn't have to be new age music or spiritual music or anything like that. Not at Play all. that pop song yeah. and breathe along and, you know, <laughs> that sounds pretty good to me. Exactly. No, I mean, I mentioned Stevie Wonder earlier. I love 
that love's in need of love today is one of my favorite songs ever. Just want to, that just rips my heart open. Yeah, no, I know. I love that too. But so, so what I love to do to wrap up, I always ask this question is what's your hope for, for your work? And what is your hope for the psychedelic revolution? Wow. Um, yeah, for my work, I just hope that it touches as many people, opens as many hearts as possible, whatever that is. You know, I'm casting out the net at this moment. I'm, I'm, I'm jumping, I guess, um, to see what happens in, in that virtual space and hoping that, yeah, just to reach as many people as possible and, and to have it be a really creative journey. I love, I love the aspect of making music and I, I'm interested to see where that goes and, and how these collaborations open up with different people. Um, I'd love all the, the, this new, I never envisioned I'd be doing a podcast, which that kind of came out of the micro journeys because we wanted to hear the stories of the people we were collaborating with. And yeah, I, and I love it because, and I wonder if you feel this way, but it's just, it feels like it'll never get boring in a way to be engaging with people around things that are, are about the, the heart, essentially. Yeah. So that's for me personally. And uh, yeah, and then also beyond that, in terms of opening hearts, what I always think of about this work is that it's, it's almost like lighting candles for people. And then have, like seeing that, that people waking up to their gifts, opening their heart, and then tuning into, oh, I'm, this is my offering and seeing that happen in the world as people wake up is why I do this. So, and then in terms of the psychedelic revolution, yeah, my hopes is, uh, you know, big pharma scares me. Just keep them out of it. And if possible, and it's just so, I don't know, capitalism <laughs> is that's when I get, that's when I get out of my heart when I start thinking about capitalism. I'm like, oh, yeah, what are they going to do? Right, right, no. right, right, right. Your hope is that psychedelics stay away from capitalism. Yeah, because yeah. my Instagram feed is already feeding me all these things that I can pay for and they send me my microdose and it's just like, oh, I don't, you know, I don't, I want people to be working with people in real time and connecting with the earth and, you know, getting out of their everyday lives if they can, you know, to just touch the, the touch the soil and be with the, with the psychedelics in that way and listen to be able to hear. So when I think about psychedelics, I think that they're really in service to the earth also. And so that would be my, my prayer is that, that that stays strong. I join you in your prayer. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today and, and for your beautiful offering. I can't wait to work with you more and explore more breathwork and sound journeys. And where do we find you? Oh, uh, yeah. My website is Infinite Crescendo. Com. And so you'll be able to find all the offerings there. And I have monthly workshops in the Los Angeles area. And, and I'm hoping to tour with it a bit more this year. Fantastic. Thank you, Carly. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.